Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-hosts Joanna Belson and Janice Hardoon. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill, Joanna, and Janice discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. One of the most moving experiences I've had in the last year was seeing the movie We the People. It has a kind of, the name is maybe a little a little soft considering the topic, which is largely pediatric cancer and the use of cannabis to cure it. And one of the stars of it is Tracy Ryan. Did I get your name right? You did. Thank, Thank you for you. having me today. Uh, from, from Canna Kids. Canna Kids preceded or Canna Kids followed the movie? It followed. We Canna Kids had not been born yet when we began this journey. Okay. Now, Canna Kids sounds, I don't know, like a daycare or something. <laughs> it sounds kind of like, you know, like a kid thing. Um, but it's not a kid thing. I mean, it's for it. It helps kids. Yes. But it's 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 also for well, adults. I think we need to hear her story. <laughs> so okay, tell tell me. Well, why don't you go back to the beginning? Okay, you got it. Okay, you got it. And um, it, this began with your daughter. Yes, it did. At eight and a half months old, Sophie was diagnosed with a very low grade brain tumor called an optic pathway glioma. It's a 90% survival rate, but it's an 85% recurrence rate. So this is very much a chronic disease versus a terminal one but it wreaks a lot of havoc because chemo doesn't get rid of these tumors. Reason being, chemotherapy goes after dividing cells. These are slow growing, so they're not dividing constantly like the more aggressive tumors. So the goal of chemotherapy is to arrest the development of the tumor and then hopefully get off treatment. But again, 85% recurrence rate, so these kids end up in chemotherapy for years often. My, my little girl's been in chemo for six years now. When this first started and we first began this journey, she was a baby, she was eight and a half months old and the only option that they had for us were these 30 year old drugs because there's very little pediatric cancer research being done. There's only been three new drugs brought to market in 30 years, so the protocols are very archaic and they're very toxic. We were looking literally everywhere we could for other options and cannabis was the one and only thing that we thought was absolutely ridiculous the first thing that we, first time we heard about it and we completely dismissed it how did you hear about that first time my husband's old roommate lived in india and he's of course you know stayed friends with us on facebook all these years and when we started posting about what was going on with sophie he immediately reached out and he had a lot of friends there that had known about you know trials that were going on on that side of the world in israel and spain and elsewhere we thought it was crazy. We didn't, I watched a video that they sent me. I watched like 30 seconds of a five minute video of a little girl that got better from it. And I, I completely just tossed it aside. And it wasn't until through this crazy chain of events on social media that I was connected with Ricky Lake, who's the producer of the film, and Abby Epstein, who's the director. And it was these women that started showing me the real science that had been going on since you know before the 70s and started showing me literature about um, other patients that were children that had these, these brain tumors that were getting better by putting cannabis oil on the passy. So my husband and I were like, okay, this is Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein. <coughs> I tried for a natural birth because of their film, The Business of Being Born. I knew how much they cared about families. And I decided to open my eyes to it. And what I found was astonishing. I couldn't find anything that scared me. 
So we took that information to Sophie's oncologist. We wanted to make sure this was something that they were going to be on board with. We had gone to Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who I believe you've also had on the show, who's a wonderful human being. She brought Meryl to tears. Yeah. (laughs) She's my favorite. Um, She gave Sophie her card. She's been Sophie's pediatrician on the cannabis side since we very first started this journey. And the doctors gave us the sign off. They could tell that we had educated ourselves, that we were loving, caring parents, and that we weren't trying to just drug our kid up. And that's how it all began. Sophie took her first dose of cannabis oil. You know how lucky you are to have advanced doctors like that rather than someone who I'm shocked. I was shocked. I'm still to this day shocked. This was six years ago. That's not happening. No, No, it was six years ago. It was, you know, I, I truly believe that we're on a very guided path. I believe that Sophie was born this way for a reason. I believe that this was supposed to happen to us because it is. And we're just trying to do everything we can to make the best out of it. And we've been very blessed. And the people that have come into our lives, the opportunities we've been given, and the chance that we've been allowed to help people, not just in California, but around the world because of it. As I recall in the movie, the remission was breathtaking. The remission? Yes. Sophie's not in remission. Some of the other children are, though. Okay. Sophie's tumor doesn't ever go away unless I'm able to cure it, which I'm actually working on right now um, in our research lab. But some of the other children in the film did go into full remission. The young man, AJ, who um, had osteosarcoma, he's actually a Kanakid's patient. We didn't get credit for him in the film because when he was brought into the movie, Kanakid's had not yet been born. But we were the ones that got him cancer-free and have kept him cancer-free now for over four years, when otherwise chemotherapy could not get him cancer-free not once in the three years he was on treatment. Well, you'll recall, and you know it well because you've seen the movie, I'm sure, many times, that the difficulty of getting medical cannabis in that film, I mean, the lady in her kitchen who was cooking. Yes. You know, it was was just the near side of, it was underground, it was garage stuff. Yes. And yet there was such strong evidence, such strong evidence. Um, It was amazing. So where did Kind of Kids, how did it start? So it was, it's, it, the story isn't really fully told in the movie. What had happened was I started a grow for Aunt Zelda's, which is the grow that you see in the film. Right. It was uh, a, a 3,000 square foot grow. We had 100 plants in there. We grew 165 pounds of flower. Uh, unfortunately, two weeks before Mara was supposed to take the entire harvest, she uh, communicated with me that she was unable to pay for it anymore because her and her husband had bought a house. So right. that was kind of came out of nowhere. So I had three choices uh, because I was only allowed to grow those flowers strictly for her because we had her patient book and she didn't want me selling them to anyone else. I had no well, other connections. Was this connections. in the backyard you were growing it? Or no, I, in Riverside County. I had a okay. 20 acres of land and a, okay. and a grow that I had raised the money. Um, one of my partners gave me $115,000. He was my first partner in Can right. Kids. We dumped all of that money into that harvest. So... I had three choices. I could lose $115,000 investment and that money just go away and can of kids go away that I had already been, you know, working on building for almost a a solid year at that point. Um, I could try and sell it to drug dealers uh, across the U.S. and risk going to prison. And that is absolutely not the kind of person I am. I did not want to let this medicine I had grown for children go to people that were just using it to get stoned uh, illegally. Or I could make a tincture line that I had been communicating with Aunt Zelda's that I was wanting to do for a year. Why did you grow your own rather than just buying what was available? Well, it was a time where there were major shortages. If you remember in the film, uh, Aunt Zelda's actually ran out of CBD for months. And I was trying to help fix that problem for her and supplement her harvest with other flowers that she was having a hard time 
getting and keeping, especially with CBD. So that's what it was. I I believed that there was magic necessity. in this plan. It was yeah. Necessity. Well, and I was building websites for a living. I owned a media agency, and and I was you know making people money by doing social media campaigns, building them websites, doing graphic design for them, and it was a thankless job, and it wasn't anything that was empowering me in any way and it wasn't helping me make a difference in the world and I've always been drawn to children's children's charities all my philanthropic work all my life has been you know to help kids that are in need and I saw what was going on with my daughter I saw what was going on with these other children that we were connected to on social media and and also through the film and I wanted to help I wanted to do anything I could to make sure that children didn't run out of medicine anymore because it was a real problem in those days so that's how Can of Kids was born um it's not portrayed necessarily that way in the movie because it just doesn't show like the whole breadth of the story. We're in Hollywood. We know it's not necessarily how it goes usually. Exactly. But that's how we started. And I am, I'm, I'm grateful that it happened that way. The first harvest that we grew is what got AJ cancer free. Those flowers that I ended up struggling to find something to do with saved that boy's life. And we know that now and can say that because of what we've learned about him in the research and because it's the only thing he's on that's keeping him cancer free when otherwise the cancer just would never go away. So, you know, we've been able to use it on my daughter. I was able to save a lot of money when I was otherwise extremely poor back in those days by providing medicine to my child. And the amount of people that we've been able to help with these plants and with this oil has been the most rewarding thing I could have ever imagined being able to do in my life. Because there are so many hoops to jump through in terms of research here in America, mm-hmm. because we're medieval when, yeah. it, when it comes to our attitude. Um, you know, have you been dealing with? You mentioned countries before that were much more advanced. Yes. My daughter just spent a summer in Israel, and I mean, it's amazing. It's I, I mean, there were kids working. It was it was a summer of internships, and a lot of kids were working on research. Yes, uh, some was cannabis, some yes. was other things, but there was research. It's like the whole you got to feel the whole country is research. Israel is a very very liberal country when it comes to research, and they don't put the bounds and guidelines on their scientists there like they do here. Uh, it's I've I've been working with the Technion Institute for three years. I'm moving away from that project to focus on my project that's here locally with my team of scientists where we're studying 14 of our patients including Sophie and we're working to enroll two more right now the findings that we have are absolutely incredible but the biggest problem is the schedule one license we're having to use a synthetic right now called win 55 that is a receptor it works on the receptor sites much like thc does but it's not the whole plant cannabis oil that we're using with our patients so in order to even get actual cannabinoids into the lab you have to go through this rigorous schedule one process that in itself could take nine to twelve months if you're lucky and it's very complex and expensive uh, and it's hard and it's hard to get that approval once we can get that approval then we can really make some magic happen in that lab because the advancements that we've made in one year's time should have took us about five years and $10 million. That's how fast we're moving. How do you find these scientists as a mom who <laughs> might be listening and yeah. in the similar shoes as yourself? Yeah, how it's... How you go around finding these people? Honestly, it's one of those things where I, it was fate in both situations. The first time, the way I got connected with Daddy Miri, who's in the film for the Technion, was through Ricky Nabby, and they had told me about the work he was doing. I told him about all this data that I had. He originally just thought I was another mom needing help, but we had all this data that we'd been tracking in these patients. So I was like, look, I'll happily give you the data. No strings attached, no cost attached. I just want to move the science forward faster. Would you try and help me with my daughter? And he was like, absolutely. So 
I flew the last sample we had of her brain tumor tissue that was no longer alive from when she had a brain surgery when she was one to Israel. And it was in that meeting that Daddy and I formed this incredible friendship. I asked him what I could do for him instead of what he could do for me, uh, which is normally the question. And he said, really, all I need to do is raise money. You know, you're someone who can get these findings to patients faster because you have a product line. Do you want to work together? And I said, absolutely. So I went out and raised money for the first time in my life, had no idea what I was doing, but did and was successful at it and began funding his research. Unfortunately, they weren't able to recreate Sophie's tumor sample there through the CRISPR technology. So it was kind of a dead end. Um, But it's been able to help advance other findings and the research as a whole, which is extremely important for the world. How does it fly? Like LL? Does it go through the security? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had to take it in this tiny little brown box in a biohazard bag. And we called the airline in advance and let them know what we were doing. And the stewardesses were were gracious enough to keep it refrigerated. That's hysterical. For I, me. Know, I, went to, I went to Israel two years ago and the questions they asked in the security line were like crazy. My friend yeah. actually almost didn't get on the plane because they kept asking her so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can imagine they, they were with a little biohazard yeah, box kind of. We, we called way in advance to make sure yeah. we were doing everything yeah. right. And then the scientists that I'm working with now it was a whole nother just weird experience. It's kind of a cool story. So when Sophie, when we decided that Sophie needed this brain tumor surgery, I knew that this was gonna be my one and only opportunity to get her a true clinical trial using live tissue. So I figured out what that was called. (laughs) I started doing Google searches. It's called PDX or patient-derived xenograph. And it's where they take human tissue and they implant it into live animals to grow it, to then use different therapeutics on it to see what the best option is gonna be for that, that tumor. And my daughter's water bottle fell out of her backpack on the way to school. Um, as I was running her in, she's like, mommy, where's my water? And she has alkalinized water. We don't like her drinking the school fountain water because of her health. And I had to call dad and be like, honey, you know, can you run me Sophie's water bottle? Well, in the transition of him bringing me the water bottle and me going outside to grab it, my girlfriend, uh, nurse Kara was standing there. Who's a pediatric oncology nurse in a boot in front of the school, waiting on a lift. Cause it was her first day back in six weeks. Cause she'd broken her foot. And um, I, I thought to myself, hmm, well, maybe Kara knows someone who's doing PDX. And then my other voice was like, no, that's stupid. She doesn't know. And then my other voice was like, no, ask her, ask her, ask her. So I walked up and gave her a big hug and was like, you know, hey, girls, great to see you. By the way, do you know anyone who does PDX? And she goes, actually, I do. She was like, um, she was standing there that day just to relay that. It, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. That's like, this funny. is this is why we believe that we're on this incredible guided path, because there's these these synchronicities that happen. There's these chain of events that happen that lead us down these crazy paths. That, I call them life pivots that completely change the pivot uh, in our life path yeah. and where we're going. I got the so, I know. You it should was, know a word in uh, Yiddish or maybe Hebrew, which is beshert. Oh, I've heard of that word. Yes, absolutely. It was meant to be. Meant to be, absolutely. So I, I got the scientist's phone number. I texted her within 10 minutes. She texted me back. And by 2.30 that afternoon, I was in her lab. And she was agreeing to help me with Sophie for free. And she's now, uh, God, I don't even know how much money she spent on the research that she's done. Well over half a million dollars on Sophie. So now 
we are working on raising additional funds for this research. Our goal is to raise $250,000 this year. You can donate um, philanthropically to our 501c3 savingsophie.org, S-O-P-H-I-E. And we're also hosting a gala this year on November 22nd at the Lowe's Hotel in Hollywood. It's called the Saving Sophie Strides in Science Awards. And we're going to be recognizing some of the top scientists, uh, celebrities, and advocates in the field of cannabis and recognizing them because they just don't get the uh, the awareness that they should for all the hard work and effort that they do. So it'll be a beautiful sit-down dinner, uh, VIP gifting suite, silent auction, black tie optional, and we're intending on having some music musical guests and some really incredible speakers. Awesome. Now, at Thank what you. point did you start making and, and marketing and merchandising uh, kind of kids products it was over five years ago now we actually celebrated our fifth birthday in march so um when you see that first meetup in the film that we do where we've got some of the other patients from the film and a lot of other industry stakeholders and family members that are you know advocates for their own loved ones show up that's really when it kicked off that um right after that we were getting our medical products into the market and we've had a line of tinctures and syringes ever since and which, despite the name, are not just for kids. It's not just for kids. We originally started with a focus on children because that's where my heart and passion is and always has been. But we started having all of these adults contact us and say, hey, you know, can we use this medicine too? If it's safe enough for a child, isn't it safe enough for us? Is the dosing just different? It is. Yeah, it's just different. And it's different across the board for diseases in general. So we, our tagline is, you know, where there is breath, there is hope and also for patients of all ages. We treat just as many adults as we do children now. I, I should say assist, not treat, because we have to watch how we speak these this day with you know with the FDA. Uh, we, we assist these patients on their path to wellness. And we use a team of nurses to um, provide dosing guidance. They don't work directly for a can of kids. We refer them to these nurses and they can do a phone call with them no matter where they are in the world and they can provide them with a dosing regimen and a titration plan. It's our goal to get patients well, not high. So we always start these patients out very low and build it up based on how their body responds to it as it builds a tolerance to any psychoactivity that might be uh, might be present in the oil. Okay, so you have how many products now? Right now we have 11. In California. We originally had 21. The reason that we had to scale back was because lab testing with legalization went from $136 per SKU to $800 to $1,000 per SKU. Multiply that by 21. It's just astronomical how expensive it is to operate in this industry now. Had we not gotten funded by Tuatara Capital in July, we would have died on the vine. Most of a lot of the industry has. Um, I had to raise a half a million dollars just between October and July to stay alive because we're having so many issues with manufacturing and with the white labeling issues that um, you know BCC threw out into the ether, which started freaking everyone out and everyone started being scared and running for the hills. But we survived it. And we're now um, getting back in stores all over both Southern California and now we're targeting Northern California. And we're hoping to have our medicine in every legal shop across the country by year's end. That's the goal. How do the um, tinctures, it's all tinctures, right? It is. We do have some syringes. They're not as big of sellers, um, but we do have some one gram syringes. People because- But syringes are still oral, right? It's the oral. Yeah, it's all oral. You pull it out like a little rice 
piece yeah. and you put it yeah. on your tongue. It's just like, really difficult to dose that way. I don't recommend it for patients. I think that some adults may use it for dabbing because our oil is so clean and rich in cannabinoids and terpenes. Um, some people dab therapeutically, and that's that's uh, you don't want to you don't want to be smoking oil that has MCT in it. That's right. that's terrible. Who are for most you. of your customers? Children, people with cancer? Yeah, cancer, autism, and epilepsy are our big three. We have a huge population of Parkinson's patients in Orange County that are seeing incredible success. MS, fibromyalgia, PTSD with war vets. Uh, I've worked with one of my friends to get him off of 25 medications that he was on. He was able to go to a U2 concert, and the guy wouldn't have been able to pull into the parking lot before, which was really exciting. We've got chronic pain. We've got um, neurodegenerative disorders. We've got um, cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy. I mean, across the board, there's not a whole lot of indications that we have not treated or assisted. (laughs) I want to go back to the mice we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yes, that you have humanized mice. Yes. Yes, yes, and they uh, they read papers and they go <laughs> and, and they, they have tiny human ears. You know, you know, no, not really. So a, little, a little spooky, a little. You know, those of us who grew up with Mickey Mouse, that's a little spooky. Uh, yeah, um, it's not what you think. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, but, but still, it, the term is uh, the term does bring up images. Um, of the eleven, how do they differ one from the other? So they differ in potency and terpene profiles. So we have THC, CBD. CBDA and THCA, and we also have a one to one. The lower potencies are 20 to one. The higher potencies are, you know, sometimes in upwards of 200 to one. Super high CBD with next to no THC, super high THC with, uh, you know, a little bit of CBD. So um, that's the uh, the sweet offering right now. We're all. How do you know what you need? That's why you talk to a nurse. Okay. All the all the profiles that we've designed, our terpenes are the same batch after batch after batch, and we work as hard as we can to get the exact same strain type or profile batch after batch after batch. Cannabis is not a homogenous plant. It is not the same from one harvest to the next. If the oil, I mean, if the the soil, the light, the water, or any of the conditions change whatsoever, it can genetically modify that plant to be a little bit different than what it was the harvest before. That's why when you get Blue Dream from one grower, it's not going to be the same profile as Blue Dream from another grower. But we, we, we work with the same farmers, um, get the same strains as, as close as we can get them to, but the terpenes never change. And we're finding the same therapeutic value from patient to patient. The, the fluctuation that we've seen in the strain changes has been um, predominantly in autism. We've got a protocol that we love working with autism patients, ASD and ADD, and also ODD, which, which is op, uh, oppositional defiance disorder. And we've found Explain a lot of Explain that, please. So oppositional defiance oh, disorder. Oh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 they're very defiant. Very defiant children. Um, bad tempers. They don't want to listen to anything. You tell them to do one thing, they do the opposite. You know, you're defining Congress in our government. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And politics yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Um, absolutely. <laughs> but there's, yeah. there's children now who have opposition defiance disorder. It's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Also, quite a few of the marriages I know. <laughs> What's really exciting, though, is that we're um, bringing in ahead of R&D right now. I believe I found the person that I want to hire. We intend on expanding that line as we grow and as we are bringing in more revenue. We're working on international expansion right now. We're already licensed in Australia, Canada. We're working to close Europe as we speak. And we will be in Brazil at some point, as well as Peru and Mexico are probably the two that will come after that. And then we're also looking at national distribution for Canicus as well. We're talking to several different groups who want to bring our products across the country 
and we will be rolling out a nationwide hemp line. Are any of your products CBD only? The hemp line will be. Okay, because that can be carried pretty much anywhere, am I correct? Absolutely. And we are hopeful to be bringing in a group of investors that can get us literally into every Kroger and CBS across yeah. the country. Just plug us when, right when in. When you see a, a display in CBS for um, for CBD, you go, boy, what? that's changed. Yeah, it's exciting. That's a different world. It is. That's, but I mean, let's, let's say, you know, to pull something out of the blue, my... my problem is anxiety yes so i tell the nurse i've got anxiety and she just like there's just well anxiety 31 that works pretty well for anxiety I, well, how does she know how does she know because they've been using our medicine to treat dose patients <laughs> it's so hard to stop yeah, using that word it's okay um it's it's uh, they've been using our medicine to assist these patients for years they so know they, how they our okay. medicine works. They've yeah. seen it in thousands of patients at this point. We are tracking their data. We're looking at um, the variations from one patient to another. And sometimes it's trial and error. You're not always going to get it right the first time, just like with modern medicine. Look at epilepsy. You can go through five drugs before you find one that works if one works at all. You have to change dosing. My daughter's on Keppra for seizures. And we've had to change her dosing a myriad of times to find what works for her body. It's the same with cannabis. In the inside, we're all genetically different. We metabolize things differently. My husband's all six, four and a half, and I'm five, seven and a half. And I can take three times as much cannabis as he can because of how I metabolize things. And he's twice my size. So it, it really is about the person individually. That's why we you know, one of the challenges that we're having with our overseas partners is we need your dosing protocols. Well, it's different for every single patient because we are working on doing personalized medicine. Now, to the humanized mice point in the research that we're doing, um, one of the things that we're really trying to figure out is why is it working and what components of the medicine is working? And is this going to be the same results in every person? Is it just that some people aren't taking enough medicine when they get cancer? Is it that their cell they've gotten to us so late that their cells are so destroyed that they're not gonna respond to the cannabis oil the same way that they would if they were newly diagnosed? Because what happens is the sicker you get, the more your immune system breaks and the worse it gets. And at some point it, it can become beyond repair. And that's why we're seeing patients continue to recur from cancer. That's why we're hoping to use medical cannabis um, alongside a probiotic that my scientist has invented to do the research that we need to do in order to be able to make the claims that it can be used as a preventative. Yeah. We're watching patients take cannabis and get cancer free, and then they're going off the cannabis and the cancer's coming back. Whereas we're seeing other patients stay on the cannabis and the cancer is staying away. And one of the discoveries that we've made over the last weeks is telling us why that's happening. So we're submitting patents this week as we speak, and we will start trickling out some of that information, hopefully next week when we speak at the Cannabis Science Conference. You know, there's a certain degree of educated guests here too. I mean, like with my daughter, who's at, um, about to be a Jew, well, she's a junior now at college. Uh -huh. um, she's anxiety. Yes. And so we always had a prescription for Ativan. But Ativan has some real brutal Side downsides. Yeah, yeah. Like, like addiction. Yes. Um, and so uh, we went to Janice across the street at uh, the antidote and said, what do you suggest? And she suggested these CBD lozenges, uh -huh. which my daughter breaks in half. Mm -hmm. And um, the results have been miraculous. Yeah. 
you know, that she takes the half a lozenge, which is a little candy. I mean, it yeah. doesn't taste like anything but a little candy, a little sucking candy, as a friend used to say. Um, <laughs> it's cute. And, um, you know, the anxiety, she says either the anxiety is gone because she has she was able to eat some candy or um, or the CBD is really doing really the working. job. Yeah. So it but but you know, that was really that was just luck of the draw there. Sure. That, that was there was no the way that uh, we were speaking in the, in the last show about how we've used um, we've interviewed twice. A fellow who runs a company called endocannahealth.com. Lynn May. Lynn it's May, a friend of mine. Exactly. Yeah, neighbor yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's that's all about, you know, it's basically a 23andMe analysis right. of, your, of, of your endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't been able to really say how accurate it is, but it says that I have anxiety. I go, yeah, I have anxiety. Yeah. You know, who, what 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 human being doesn't? Um, it seemed it seemed interesting. Sure, we're getting there. Under starting to understand the body on a more genomic level. But I guess my question is, will it ever be exact, or are we always? I believe it will. Okay, I absolutely believe it will. Um, I, I definitely think that. Now, now, when you say exact, will what? How I'm answering that is, will we ever have a protocol and a range of dosing that we believe is going to work for a specific indication? The answer to that is yes. Am I going to be able to bring you into the lab, take your blood, and say, this is the exact strain you need at the exact potency? I don't know, but I believe so. I believe that the science is moving that way that fast. What I have seen happen in the last five years in cannabis science alone, even in the last year, has been nothing short of mind-blowing. And I am so hopeful based on what we are beginning to understand about what this plan is doing to the human body. I think that we are going to turn medicine on its head and I'm very excited to be a part of this industry. Yeah, and those those who do understand illnesses and the things that help the illnesses do have a pretty, I, I experienced that last year. I came out with a, a disease no one's ever heard of called Bullis pemphigoid. And no one knows that's what that's a mouthful. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and, and there's only one doctor in town who has a clue as to what it is. And uh, they immediately put me on 60 milligrams of prednisone, which is a very big dose. Yeah. And very um, big. it just it just slowed it, stopped it, started putting it into remission. And it's, it's basically you come down with a rash every place, every right. place. And um, but then what did that do to your liver? Uh, they gave there was a, there was an, an anti rejection drug they put me on. They they put me on a bunch of things and they and then once it once it sort of stopped, we were able to start reducing it. My liver seems to be okay. Yeah, it's uh, just prednisone is very except, very bad for you. <laughs> except actually akin to that, uh, I get drunk very fast. Yeah, that may be well, the liver. Well, you left out the part where it was itching, that's, and the cannabis cream that you had yes. helped. really helped. And I started it. using yeah. some, some and cannabis that's how cream, the podcast and that really actually helped. came to be. Yes. So, oh, that's so, a so cool we really, story. we really found it was you know the prednisone stopped the thing, right? But the itching was controlled by by a, a topical a, a THC CBD cream, Amazing. which was the only thing, uh, including a whole bunch of prescription topicals that did nothing. Uh, that worked. Yeah. So it's, but once again, it's it, there's there there is a trial and error there. There is, there is, but we're getting there. And but you saw I'm immediate hopeful. results when you were the putting topical. your cream yeah. on, and yeah, I was able to sleep for, for two hours at a time. And I yeah. was like, you should podcast about that. Yeah, and that's that's how. And here we or are. I was like, you should drive around with my dad in the car talking about it. Yeah, yeah. we we have a topical, and it is literally the only thing that has worked. 
for my, my, my low back will go into spasm. I was a dancer for 23 years, played basketball for 12, softball for eight. I, I beat my body up. And then I had a car accident um, a few years ago where I got T-boned on the side and my body went sideways instead of like how you would do, you know, whiplash would occur. I was down for six months and it like really messed me up. So I'll get these spasms just randomly that'll, it's like a knife in my back and I can feel it coming. I never leave my house without my topical with our, it's called Alleviate. It's one of our, we're going to roll it out in the hemp market because it's, it's not a cannabis topical. So we can't put it in the cannabis market. Uh, It's using a CBD uh, isolate. And I I feel that coming. I rub it on my back, and it and it never happens. It just goes away. I have away. a similar issue, and yeah. I have a CBD cream as well. And now my son, who's twelve, he'll be like, "Mom, I hurt my elbow. Can you put some of that CBD cream on yeah. it?" And so, funny, it, you know, funny. it says actually on it zero THC. So he's yeah. cool with it. Tr- absolutely. Tracy, you're, you're you're miraculous. What you've done is miraculous. For Thank people you. who hear this and want to volunteer for the charity, how do they do that? They can contact us directly at uh, they. Dara would be the best person to contact. She's producing the event. It's Dara D A R A at savingsophie.org. Right. Again, Sophie is S-O-P-H-I-E. They can go to our website, savingsophie.org, and submit uh, a form to contact us through there. Or they can email me directly. And my email address is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at canakids.org, C-A-N-N-A-K-I-D-S. They also will, if they just go simply to canakids.com, there is a there is a button there for Sophie. I'm we pretty can, sure that's how we got together. <laughs> we can't actually link the Canakids website to the Saving Sophie oh, website because Saving Sophie is federally regulated. Okay. So you have to go to the Saving Sophie site, but we will do our best to be advertising on that platform as well. And we're happy to promote it on Thank our social you. media as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. The, um, the, it's important. The research is just so important. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of kids. It's, um, uh, you're working <laughs> you're working with the angels. <laughs> Thank you. I believe the angels are definitely guiding us. I do. And and I believe that I gave birth to one as well. She's the most incredible little human. I, I should have brought her in here with me today. That That's an Next interview. Time. That's Next an interview time. right there. Thank you. you know what? I would love to if you're up for that. Let's yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, She'd course. love it. She'd love really it. Cool. She she speaks all over the country with me. Oh, sure. She's going to be speaking at the Cannabis Science oh Conference in Portland, Oregon next week. That's really cool. Yeah. She, um, the the, the show is um, <laughs> High in the Hog. The podcast <laughs> is really an honor meeting you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. It's you're, nice you're to meet so you. Well. You're, you're doing so much that's good. Thank you. Okay. It's Meryl Schindler. I'll be right back. Find the Hog. It's your one place to find information about medical cannabis, about the stuff that's really the talk of the world. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Amazon. Find us on the internet. High in the Hog, the podcast.com. That's High in the Hog, the podcast.com. Tell a friend.